Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. What a day for Denver, for Denver sports, for the Denver Nuggets. To get an idea of uh, how far they have come when this song was released by Pearl Jam back in January of 1992. The Denver Nuggets wearing the uh, logo that I have on my shirt today, if you're over at milehighsports.com uh, or on the Free Mile Sports app. And they were led by Dikembe Mutombo and Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. And um, not much else as they finished 24 and 58 <laughs> under coach Paul Westhead, which turned out to be a pretty good year for the Paul Westhead tenure for the Denver. It was also <laughs> the last year of the Paul Westhead. Uh, it was. And the, the Nuggets now, all this time later, find themselves on the cusp of their first title. They are the prohibitive favorites. And watching the national media, Sandy, sort of come around to the Nuggets, do their, many of which, most of which I should say, the vast majority of which, are, have done their homework and are doing their homework diligently since the Finals of, you know, Nuggets have made yeah, their run. Uh, Ramona Shelburne at ESPN today had a terrific uh, feature on uh, the development of Jokic and his uh, special relationship with uh, some people in the organization whose names don't get mentioned very often, uh, even here in Denver. Uh, a very nice story about how Jokic realized uh, uh, before the 1920 season or during the 1920 season, uh, of course, the pandemic came and may have altered the plan a little bit, but that he needed to get in better shape. And the suggestion was made that he could be a future MVP if he got in shape. Uh, then, as is the case now, he didn't give a wit about the MVP, but when it was explained to him that he would be able to do things more effortlessly and that he would help his team win games, that resonated and we remember during the pandemic, even during the pandemic, he lost some weight. Mm -hmm. And it started with 10 pounds and it got to 20 pounds and it got to 30 pounds. And he was saying along the way that he could do one or two things that he hadn't been able to do before. And then he could do one or two more things that he hadn't been able to do before. And finally, he said he could sprint up and down the court if need be. And you hear the talk now. I mean, we don't necessarily notice it because we've seen it for the last three years with Jokic and watching him as closely as we have a two-time MVP uh, who's at least been the MVP of the playoffs so far. Now, Jimmy Butler might have other ideas. If the Heat win this series, Jimmy Butler is probably uh, the most valuable player of the playoffs and wins the MVP award for the mm -hmm. finals. Most likely. But, but that Jokic lost the weight and was able to develop athletically in a way that I think few people recognize. And again, we see him all the time, so we don't notice. It doesn't look as shocking when you see it day by day. The transition you know, when it's is day not by right. day. It's not a jarring transformation. But uh, for a lot of people who look back and remember. And there are even clips of this. Uh, there was a piece on Murray and Jokic uh, prior to Murray's going to Kentucky and prior to Jokic being drafted. 
and uh, they were practicing together, and they were doing some of the things. You see shades of what they were doing then and in what they're doing now, and yet you scarcely can recognize Jokic because his body is so different now. Murray looks roughly the same, mm-hmm. but Jokic uh, looks like a professional weightlifter. It, it really, it, it really is impressive to see how much he's the changed. Physical the transformation, and despite the the bulk, the ability to continually move, uh, Jokic is not yep. going to be a speed demon up and down the court. But his first step, his lateral well, movement, is as what, quick as anybody else. You know, I I was saying during the uh, Minnesota series, he could be down up and down the court sure. every time, and Towns and is, beat uh, Davis up and down the court in the Lakers yep. series every time. Anthony Davis looks like a and DeAndre Ayton and the yep. Rare occasions when Aiden got close to uh, Jokic or actually uh, ran about as fast as Aiden can run, Jokic still beat him uh, up and down the floor. So uh, it's the the idea that this non-athlete has uh, transformed the game. The the transforming of the game is right, but he's a hell of an athlete. Yeah, yeah, obviously. And 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 in tremendous physical You look at these two guys. As good in the fourth quarter as he is in the first. There's never been a finals matchup with the two players that are that are the be- uh, consensus best players in their team, Nikola Jokic and Jimmy Butler, who have ever been drafted as low as they have. Jimmy Butler was drafted 30th. Jokic, of course, 41st during a Taco Bell commercial on the NBA draft uh, broadcast. It was on ESPN. Right. But uh, these two guys have, throughout their own different paths, carved an impressive way through the league in unexpected circumstances and and of course jimmy butler has been to the finals before uh only contavious caldwell pope and jeff green have been to the finals kcp of course won with the lakers in the bubble over butler's heat but this this matchup is really interesting obviously in denver but it's nice to see people kind of get their heads around it on the national side and realize look uh, the nuggets had the best have the best record in the playoffs they went 12 and 3 they swept the lakers who the national media, at least, were talking about how they were going to beat the Nuggets. The Heat, as an eight seed, only the second eight seed to get to the finals, they've had even a harder path because they had to do it through a play-in tournament. So in many ways, you know, they had the hardest path to get to the NBA finals of any team in history. They did it while knocking off the number one and number two seeds in the East. Uh, these are the two teams that deserve to be here. And I think little by little... People are coming around to it, and the lesson for the NBA that's coming around to it, I think, is fascinating. You heard some of the Nuggets talk about it, and you even heard Jimmy Butler talk about it during the media availability yesterday. Both Jokic and Butler, in different ways, talked about the idea of connection, of how they play team basketball. And while Jokic and Butler look differently in the way they do it, they're both team guys. We've seen when Butler's out of out of energy, He's okay letting other guys do the heavy lifting. He'll, he'll be the star if he needs to be, but he shares the ball. He, he encourages both of these guys, encourage their teammates not to give me the ball and get out of the way, but to be a part of it. Butler's complaint last year when they were game short of coming to the, the finals was that they needed more guys who were going to be teammates, who were more about winning. And they knock off, not coincidentally, a Boston team that looks like you want to see what stat patterns look like. Go visit the Boston Celtics for a day. That's a, that's a team with stat pads. And the Lakers, a team that's assembled again to be stars being stars. The Suns, stars being stars. 
the two teams that played the best team basketball are the two teams that are still playing. And there's a lesson for the rest of the league in that, something that both the Heat and the Nuggets' best players made sure to share. And I think that's fascinating. Little by little, I think people are coming around to the idea this matchup could be really interesting because it's not Jimmy Butler versus Nikola Jokic. It is the Nuggets versus the Heat. All of them. I think there are a surprising number of similarities between the two teams. Now, styles are different, but the brand of unselfish team basketball that both teams clearly play and clearly embrace all the time, that's something they share. The Heat have built their culture over the last 15 years at least, and I, I'd stretch it out to almost 20 in the sense that um, they won a title in 2006 with Pat Riley, and then two years later, Eric Spolster came on uh, as the new head coach, and of course they got LeBron and Chris Bosh to join Dwayne Wade on a so-called super team that did go to the finals four years in a row and went 2-2 two and two in the finals, which isn't dynastic, but it's not bad. Uh, you know, no, it's not bad at all. Championships in four years. Ask Nuggets fans how they finals. feel about that's, that. That's that's a pretty good run. The Nuggets would take that, I think, in the next four years, starting with this one. Trips to the NBA Finals every year and a couple of titles. That that would be, uh, uh, I think, a, a pretty good run. If, I uh, think not, so. Not uh, the, uh, the kind of uh, uh, dynastic achievement that we uh, generally talk about in sports. But I, I think both teams are here having traveled different pathways, but uh, at the risk of offending Chris Mannix, uh, <laughs> compelling, <laughs> compelling, interesting pathways. Uh, the, the, the Heat lost to Atlanta in a play-in game in Miami. Then they trailed the Bulls with two minutes, 55 seconds remaining in their last chance to qualify as the eighth seed at home, 90-87. to 87. They finished the game on a 15-1 to run, and they haven't stopped winning since. They've played three game ones on the road, and they've won all three. First at Milwaukee, then in New York, Madison Square Garden, and finally in Boston against the Celtics. So people are looking for some reason at the game tonight and saying somehow it's a necessity for Miami to win if if they're going to win the series, um, I think that goes too far. But at the same time, the Nuggets have not lost at home, and uh, Miami has broken up home court advantage right away uh, in three every, previous every, yep, right. series. And tonight's game is the one especially early that if you're a Nugget observer uh, might cause a little bit of concern because after uh, nine days of not playing, it might not look like the well-oiled machine that the Nuggets have generally been in the playoffs. But I wonder, but they'll play play their way into the game. Um, I think nine points might be a little heavy. Uh, for game one, the Nuggets are favored, I think, by nine, eight and a half or nine, whatever it is. 
And I think that might be a little heavy, but I can understand the reasons for that. Although the Miami Heat have uh, certainly made their bones playing well on the road and winning a game seven in Boston, which... uh, I think it's happened five times in the history of the NBA. Our friends at Superbook, seven by the way, have the Nuggets by nine. Tonight. Nine. Yes. Uh, so, and, and that's moved up, obviously. Yeah. It's, so it's continued to be the idea that, that the Nuggets will end up finding but a way to dominate this, this. As a distinguishing characteristic of the Nuggets, the duo of Murray and Jokic, at least in the playoffs, rivals that of any duo I think we've seen Let's go back 20 years. Uh, Kobe and Shaq were breaking up. Their best days were probably behind them by 2003. The Spurs won the title that year. And then the Lakers lost, I think, in the finals the next year to Detroit. But apart from Curry and Thompson, give me a duo over the last 20 years. Duncan Parker, Duncan Ginobili, Maybe, but I say Murray and Jokic because more than any two players in NBA playoff history who have played at least 20 playoff games, they are the two most productive scores in relation to what they averaged during the regular season in the history of the NBA. Right. Murray is a 16.9 points per game man in the regular season, 25.4 in the playoffs. That's an eight and a half point per game mm-hmm. increase. Jokic is second, having gone from 20.2 in the regular season to 27.3 throughout his playoff career. That's plus 7.1. The only current player who is even close to to those two within shouting distance of those two is Jalen Brunson, formerly of Dallas, now of the Knicks, 14.3 in the regular season, 20.8 in the playoffs. And the other guys in the top five are two journeymen players from the 1980s, Reggie King, who most memorably played in Kansas city and Randy Whitman, who played with our friend Scott Hastings in Atlanta for a number of years King went from 8.9 to 15.4, and Whitman went from 7.4 to 12.8. So among players of all time, they're one and two. Among players of consequence, they're one and two. And they played in enough playoff games where you can no longer say, ah, that's just a small sample size. Let, Let them play. Uh, 25, 30, 35 playoff games. Well, yeah, they have. Yep. And they keep increasing their scoring over the regular season to what has become a pair that in the playoffs average roughly 53 points per game between them. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's that's basically putting it very lightly. I mean, this has been a, a, a remarkable run. And, and that's and just this, scoring. And Forget this about right. assists and the offense they the, create. The, the two-man game for these two guys is as good as just about anybody that you've seen. I mean, if if the Nuggets need a point and they go to that two-man game, it is, I I know what I'm saying when when I say it. Only Stockton and Malone immediately come to mind with that kind of efficiency. Yeah, I, I agree. 
And, 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 and I know we're talking I, about I, there. I, I would dare say, though, that Stockton was not as, was good, not as good a screener. Yep. Screener. Right. Screener, not score. Right. Screener. Stockton could score. As, as Murray. Now, you know, Murray scores more than Stockton does, but Stockton was a different role. And, 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 he, and his shooting percentage was plenty dangerous as well, guard. though. Stockton right. could was actually right. a very good shooter. Right. But uh, the point I'm making is that if you're talking about pick and roll, it was Malone picking and rolling. With the Nuggets. It's inverted. It can be inverted. Mm-hmm. Jokic can work off a Murray screen. In fact, when it comes to screen assists in the playoffs this year, screens that directly lead to baskets among guards, Marcus Smart is number one with 18. Good for him. But his team is not playing. Second, and no one else is close behind him, is Jamal Murray with 12. Jamal Murray can set himself a screen. That's an undervalued thing. And you can talk about a scoring and Mm -hmm. a passing, but the thing that makes the two-man game dangerous is they can work it both ways here in Denver. And And the other part is if someone collapses. Kobe didn't work it both ways. Uh, Curry and Thompson, obviously two guards, weren't doing a lot of pick and roll. I, I look at this tandem. Uh, I guess Nowitzki and Nash, when Nash played for Dallas, that's, that's a good one. Back in the day, that, you could that could be uh, a little bit of both. But, but, but you know that that could be in theory, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit I mean, of both. But I don't know that Nowitzki. it was. See, no. it, it had to have been Nash uh, with Nowitzki picking and rolling. It, it had to be Nash ninety seven, ninety eight percent of the time. Right. With with these guys, it's not fifty fifty, but. The Heat, let me put it this way, will not be surprised to see pick-and-roll action that is directed by Jokic and Murray setting the screen. They will not be surprised if no. they see that. The other Whether they can it, though, defend it is another matter. Right, and, and then the Nuggets have another option. If it is well defended, especially if Jokic is having the ball, well, someone else is open and he's going to find him. That's the, the, the what the Nuggets can do that a lot of other teams can't. You can defend the two-man game. And, yeah, the, the Jazz had that, I guess, when they had Jeff Hornacek. You could kick it back there and have the three. But every other player on the floor for the Nuggets when the starters are on or when Bruce Brown is on is a threat. Every other player. That's right. That That's makes right. them unique and very, no, you know, very three players standing around just watching those two right. work. And, uh, you know, I know people are worried that Miami will – Work Butler in particular uh, to get him on uh, defenders he might be able to back in. Murray, for example. Hard to do that for 48 minutes, though. It is. It's it's taxing on the guy doing the backing in, not just the guy trying to defend the guy backing in and giving up three uh, inches and maybe five to ten pounds in so doing. It's hard for the guy to do it. You can't play 48 minutes of basketball backing people in. Nope. And the person defending it obviously plays a big role in it. Well, that leads us to maybe the X factor of the series. There may be two for Miami. We'll talk about at least the first one, maybe even the second one next in Miley Sports. Ripped off like a deuce another runner in the night Blinded by the light Ripped off like a deuce another runner Yeah. 
Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. We talked a little bit about the two-man game, the, the Nuggets' best two players, obviously, most significant players, Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray, and how difficult it is to defend. Now, the Lakers couldn't do it. They got swept. They have an extraordinarily accomplished player in Anthony Davis. Uh, they did the same thing to the Timberwolves, who had two pretty good, at least one well-regarded defensive player, and another considered to be pretty good, at least certainly size-wise, two things that Miami doesn't have. Bam Adebayo is a good player. He has yet to even become much more than a speed bump for Nikola Jokic in their matchups. The Nuggets have won the last nine. The last time that the Heat beat the Nuggets was back in the bubble in August of 2020. Uh, otherwise, the Nuggets have won the last nine games. And Adebayo doesn't have anybody who can help him. There, there is no fallback option. He can't be a rover for this team. It feels to me that if Adebayo can't find a way to at least significantly slow Jokic. I don't know how, how he'd have a chance. And as such, I don't think there's a more important player. It this sounds year. as if they'll be throwing a lot of looks at Jokic. Uh, they've talked about defending as a team against an individual. It'll take five men to defend against Jokic, uh, either directly or indirectly. I still think if you want to pick your poison... You're, you're you're better off if he does more shooting than he likes to do, more scoring than he likes to do, and less passing than he likes to do. Uh, even if it's kind of embarrassing if a guy seems to be scoring every other time down the floor on you and making two-thirds of his shots along the way, and he has you in foul trouble or on the verge of being in foul trouble all the time, but they're going to have to concede something to Jokic, and I suppose to Murray, too, in a sense. But the Nuggets have proven in these playoffs that Caldwell Pope can give him 20, Porter can mm -hmm. give him 20, even Gordon can give him 20, Bruce Brown can give him 15 to 20. And if you ignore them, they don't just stand out. Porter used to do this, but not anymore as much anyway. They don't just stand out by the three-point line and wait for a pass. They're cutting. Mm -hmm. They're moving. Yes. Um, they're getting uh, what we used to call around here early offense points. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when Because when Jokic, they, when open among shot. his more underrated skills, just happens to be the best outlet passing player setter or otherwise, it would usually be a setter who would deliver an outlet pass. But he's probably the best outlet passer I've ever seen, and I've seen some good ones. Russell was great. Wes Unseld was great as an outlet passer. Walton was supreme as a outlet passer until Jokic came along, and now Jokic is the best. As an outlet Walton. passer, as well <laughs> as being the best in a number of other ways, best passing big man, best outlet passer, uh, best low post uh, score, uh, among centers, with a possible exception of Kareem, and Kareem had the sky hook. That was he. He didn't need anything else. He had the sky hook, and that's always going to be unique to uh, Kareem. But Jokic has some up and under stuff. Uh, Jokic has the hooks, the little half hooks, kind of, and so keeping those two 
from involving the other three is the objective, but extremely hard to pull off. And with Miami, I, obviously uh, you're looking to contain Butler, but by contain, I think you're trying to make him inefficient, and we may talk more about that in yep. greater depth later on in the show. Yes. How you make him not necessarily less productive, but much less efficient. And use the Boston series even as a kind of guide or go series by series and see that he's been productive, but he's grown less and less efficient series by series. There's a tremendous amount of weight on his shoulders, both offensively and defensively, and that's the difference. He's got to be superior at both ends. Jokic and Murray do not have to be Denver's two best defensive players. They're obviously Denver's two best offensive players, but unlike Butler, they don't have to lead the way defensively, too. That's a, a huge advantage because when you talk about what's happened with Butler, his, his shooting has dropped as the playoffs has gone along. Uh, he carries a heavy load. He is, he is older. And that, of course, causes a lot of uh, challenges for him. And as a result, you've seen Caleb Martin start to step up. And maybe that's the other that's X right. factor. That's Obviously, right, you no. think very highly I think highly it's a major of, X of Caleb factor Martin. In, the, in this series. Well, I, I think highly of the way he has taken on since Harrow has been out especially the scoring role that Harrow occupied uh, during the regular season. Harrow was their third leading scorer. They had three players average for a low-scoring team. That's pretty impressive. Three players in the regular season average more than 20 points per game. Harrow at 20.1, Adebayo at 20.4, and Butler at 22.9. That was in the regular season. In the playoffs, uh, Butler at 28.5 is their only 20-point score. Adebayo at 16.8. But Martin, who started in single digits and was in single digits during the regular season, is now up to 14.1. But speaking of efficiency, he's shooting 57% from the field. Yeah. Uh, to a point where I respect what he's done. At the same time, I do wonder if it's sustainable. We just don't know. The body of work has been relatively small. We don't know if this is maybe there's a playoff Caleb in there. Maybe he's the next Jamal Murray. I don't know. But the, the odds say he's not. And, well, and I, I do wonder if there will be some regression towards the mean there. Maybe, but we keep waiting for that, and right. it's not happening. Uh, in the playoffs this year, among jump shooters, points per jump shot taken. Old friend Derek White, 1.37, number he, he one. was great, yeah. Right behind him at 1.36, and well ahead of Jamal Murray, as a matter of fact, is Caleb Martin. 1.36, he's shooting almost 44% on threes. And on his two-point jumpers in the playoffs, he said 16 out of 20. A lot of players don't make 16 out of 20 free throws. Right. A vast majority of players don't make 16 out of 20 at the foul line. He's making 16 of 20 on two-pointers. Yeah. So he's doing it on at least two of the three levels. He's doing it mid-range, and he's doing it from behind the three-point arc. By the way, third is uh, Booker at 1.26. Murray is fourth at 1.18 and Austin Reeves is fifth at 1.15. 1.36, you know, maybe the clock strikes midnight. Maybe you'll be right, but they were saying that during the Boston series, Correct. too. Oh, he can't keep this up. Correct. Oh, he can't keep and scoring you, you 20, have to respect 25. it, but I, I guess I'm trying to think about if Adebayo can't really – okay, Nikola Jokic is scoring at a relentless pace in this playoffs, right? 
let's say you keep Nikola Jokic down from his 29.9. Let's say you get him down to 24. Five-point decrease. That'd be a tremendous yeah. job. His regular season average. Right? Let's I say, think Miami would take that. If they could hold him under 25 a game, right? and he was 24.5 during the season, they would be thrilled. But if Jimmy and it Butler's, wouldn't matter if Adebayo couldn't score more than maybe 14, 15. But that's the thing. He still has to score 14, 15 a game. Well, the, the I, math I, becomes I think tricky. he might be able to do that. Holding Jokic under 25 points per game, no way. Absolutely no way. Unless they double team him. In which and, case he'll chew them and, up. And in he'll chew says, them up as a right. passer. So, to, to my mind, it is. It he is will create bio that's the key. If, if he can't. If he can't play effective defense, to my mind, they simply can't win. And, and it's interesting because we know that that Miami will give them different looks. We know that. And we know that they have done it, even in the games in which they've played. Now, when you're talking about those switch-ups in the two-man game that, you're, you, that you discussed earlier, right? Because Miami does switch. Uh, Adebayo, right, Adebayo defended the second most More picks most with teams. switches in the regular season of anybody. But oddly, against Jokic, when they played twice this year, and it's a small sample size, but Adebayo switched more than any other player save Nick Claxton of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. But they switched on only 8% of the screens that Jokic set. Yeah. Eight. Their normal rate was 28%. So less than a third right. of normal. So right. they're well, not going to do a lot of switching. Adebayo's going to have to work one-on-one. I don't think they're going to do one. nearly as much switching. You're not going to see what you do with nearly the as much don't, uh, zone defense. Well, they can't play the zone because Denver will shred it. So, but that's well, the funny I, thing. I mean, they can, but they, they can't play it the way they did against Boston, uh, against Boston. nearly as often as, as they did. Listen, against Boston, uh, the Celtics against the zone scored 0.90 points per possession in the Eastern Conference Finals, shot 8 of 46 from three-point range. That's 17%. Uh, the Nuggets will do a lot better than that, and the Heat know it. Against non-zone defenses, though, Boston it was at 1.17, and that's very respectable. The Heat knew, especially in crunch time, that they could resort to the zone against Boston, and Boston wouldn't be able to just... Uh, for whatever reason, uh, they just take the path of least resistance and hoist up three-pointers. And, again, the number was 8 for 46 on that. The good news for Denver, though, and the reason the Heat won't use the zone nearly as much as they did against Boston, is that Denver, throughout the regular season, averaged 1.21 points per possession against zone defense. as number two in the league, and with Jokic on the floor, it was almost 1.3 points per possession against zone defenses. They're not going to be playing a lot of zone in this series. Now, will they play a box and one? Will they play different kinds of coverages? Yeah, he's a brilliant coach. He's very creative in the kind of defensive schemes he employs. And I think they will find a way to be better against the Nuggets than the Lakers were, than the Suns were, than the Timberwolves were. But that's about as far as I'll go. They'll, I mean, the Nuggets, instead of averaging whatever they've averaged so far in the playoffs, 116, 117, whatever it's been, in this series maybe it'll be 110, 112, something like that. 
they're still going to win the series averaging 110 to 112 because Miami will never get anywhere near averaging 110 points a game. I can't imagine against they would Denver. either. No, not against Denver. The matchup here in these first two games in Denver, when we talk about it, you know, we'll have to find out how important it is. But I do want to remind you, of course, when uh, you're talking about this series and the, and the win opportunities at home, that if you are injured, you need to hire a winner. And we have our friends at Burnham Law. BurnhamLaw.com is who you want to call. 720-845-7001. Hire the winners. Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients. They have locations all over the front range. That's Fort Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, Colorado Springs, even in Cheyenne. And the personal injury office is right here where Miley Sports is in the DTC. So when you're injured, they'll push for you to get the maximum recovery, whether by settlement or by trial. Don't hire someone off a billboard. Don't hire someone you, you just saw for a couple of moments that made you chuckle or made it sound good. Go hire somebody who gets the wins. That's Burnham Law, BurnhamLaw.com, 720-845-7001. But, Sandy, for Miami to win this, do they have to take one of the first two games in Denver? We'll discuss next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Well, they say, Sandy, that the series doesn't begin until the home team loses a game, right? The road team wins a game. That's right. Either way you want to put it. But there are axioms that have some best in reality, and there are some that are not. Uh, in this case, the Miami Heat, if they lose game one and game two, cannot win this series. End of story. Well, I, I, barring I some, that. you know, random I, I series that. of injuries. And or they've never like had that. to face it, uh, at least not this year in the playoffs. They've always won game one on the road. And and that's the reason, I guess, some people are saying, well, that's, that's their pattern. If they don't win game one, their goose is cooked. I, I don't believe that. But if they don't win tonight, I think Sunday is a virtual must win. Just because I think of the Four games that could be played in Denver. Game two would be the easiest to win. Now, some people might say, well, the Nuggets will be rusty, maybe, maybe just a little flat tonight with a long layoff, and tonight affords them the best opportunity. I don't agree with that. I don't think you agree with no. that. No. They I, the, would the, have the, the record, extra the, day of rest between game Yeah, one the and record game. says historically that the team with these big rest advantages, even though they don't happen often, is actually an immense advantage. Eight and one when a team has a five right. game, a five day or more rest advantage over the other. And obviously, yeah, they're usually the better team. And the one exception where, where it didn't work that way, Chicago beat Utah. But was there anyone on the face of the earth, even though they won more regular season games in 1997-98, who thought that the Jazz are better than the Bulls going into that series and should be favored, even with home court advantage? They no, played three games in Utah. Not. Chicago yeah. won two. Utah won in Chicago. It's obviously a 
a, a huge advantage for the Nuggets, who have had the opportunity to scout and had the opportunity to rest, have the opportunity to get themselves uh, in a spot, practice on their home court while the Heat have having been battling uh, a Boston Celtics team. So it's a huge advantage. I, I'd, I'd be so. stunned I, if I the Nuggets. So. I don't know if it's a nine point spread like the like the odds yeah. makers will tell you, right? But I would honestly be stunned in this game one if the Nuggets lost this game. And and you know who I actually think in their heart in this heart of heart agrees with me, Eric Spolstra who I think is going to use this game as a test bed for an awful lot no of strategies. Doubt about it. I think he no knows the history. This he is knows a this. Out game. He knows it. He knows that. Now, it's not as if they're not going to try to win. And certainly Spolstra is eminently equipped that if this game is close, that he knows how to coach this team uh, over the hump. But I, he also understands what they're facing, right? This isn't the Greg Popovich schedule loss if you get the, you know, the third game in four nights or the second night of a back-to-back. It's obviously not that. But at the same time, I think Spolstra knows it is going to be a very tall task to win this game tonight. Understands that. And as such, this is the opportunity to try a whole bunch of different things and see if you find something that you can use against the Nuggets in the remainder of the series. I think Spolster already knows. We will realistically have to win four out of six games to beat this team. But the only way we can do it is if we have an opportunity to try a bunch of stuff that, to see if our roster can pull it off. And I think that's what you'll get out of the heat tonight. I think that there may be some sense of experimentation tonight, but I think even that is too strong uh, a word. But your word, that they will try stuff. <laughs> and I, I, that's the way that's they my super, generally uh, advanced uh, analytics there <laughs> analysis. Uh, try stuff. They will try stuff, and I think they have more things that over the course of a season they've already tried. And I have the impression that there will be less of grasping at straws, which I thought the Lakers were doing yes, and the Suns were doing that. and the Timberwolves were doing, grasping at straws, that he'll have some thought behind what he wants to do and he'll sort out what works or what seems to have a chance to work a little bit from the stuff that he can just discard after one game that's obviously not going to work. That goes for matchups. That goes for coverages. Uh, that goes for what we were talking about a few minutes ago, how much you play zone and how much you don't. And the Nuggets play offense, I think it's safe to say, in a much more organized, systematic way than the Boston Celtics do. Uh, yes. Right? <laughs> so Exponentially what works so. against the Celtics probably won't work against the Nuggets and maybe the other way around. I'll tell you what, if the Nuggets are scoring – 1.2 points per possession against zone and 1.2 points per possession against non-zone defenses, the Heat, they'd be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> They've got to find something that takes that 1.2 or more points per possession down to 1.1, 1. 1.09. Um, good luck against Denver with its two-man game and the capacity of the other players to fill in offensively if need be. Good good luck with that. The, it's the absence of weakness, That's which a great is way of different it. because 
Milwaukee's an older, slower team, okay? Uh, the Knicks, as far as the playoffs are concerned, have had decades of failure, not just a few years. And the Celtics on the court seemed oftentimes, at least in four of the seven games, to be completely dysfunctional, except for Derek White in game Oh, seven. sorry, sorry, uh, compelling per Chris Mann. Oh, yes. They were compelling. Yeah, well, that makes them interesting. Yes, they were compelling. The, the, yeah. In case you, in case your preferred style of the NBA is the real housewives of insert city here, uh, compelling, right? The, the, <laughs> the, the Nuggets You get have, two teams with no drama. Sorry, everybody. You just get really good basketball. Our bad. Even in past years, you could point to clear and obvious Nugget weaknesses. That is harder to do now. And it's harder to do because of the maturation of Jokic and Murray. And it's harder to do because of at least two and probably, in a sense, three things that Calvin Booth did during the offseason. Not necessarily in order of importance, draft Christian Brown, pick up Bruce Brown, and trade for Contavious Caldwell Pope. That rounded out the team. Yes. Because these are all guys, with the exception maybe of the rookie, who can play both ends of the court. In one, in one offseason to do, do that with, with the minimal salary cap space that he had, a remarkable job by Calvin Booth. Right, well, one of the uh, great first-year oh, general manager jobs end up with the title. in modern history. Is it likely, expected even to end up with a title? Uh, a remarkable work. And again, it is part of the function, not dysfunction, of the Denver Nuggets. The occasional mismatch that happens with Michael Malone and certain players that maybe don't play a lot or with rookies or whatever. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. at times, he gets called out unfairly, whatever. But yeah, but I, yeah, I, I think I because we're close to this, sometimes because you pointed out because we're, we're close to this, that Jokic's uh, sort of transformation of his body yeah. has seemed more subtle. Yes. More I think, gradual. I think that Malone's improvement has Less also noticed. seemed more subtle. Yeah. Where, whereas you look at the things that have been a little bit of drama that you can nitpick, you look at other teams around the league, they all have those problems. They will always have a spot. Oh, their coach called out that player maybe shouldn't have. Well, they, the coach should have probably put this guy in later. Well, the coach did. I mean, to, to my mind, the, the thing that makes Jokic's elevation unsurprising is actually the same thing that makes Malone's improvement surprising because it's incremental. It happens on a daily basis. But if you look at Michael Malone coaching in this playoffs and four or five years ago, he's not remotely the same guy. No. Not in the way he handles no. in-game, not the way he handles players. He's not the same and, guy. And, and, you know, at times there's been kind of a two-step or one-step back sure. deal. I think last year was probably a pretty good example of that. But that's how growth uh, happens sometimes. Yes. Um, and he had more to work with. Uh, this year, and I, I think certainly during the playoffs, he's coached differently than he did during the regular year. His substitution patterns have not been done by rote, as they seem to be uh, quite uh, for, often during yeah. the regular season. And I think it's made the Nuggets better. I, I think it's made it more dangerous. Uh, they were already good team in the fourth quarter and especially in the last five minutes of close games but you know i i guess that third quarter has been a bit of a issue at times this year but not so much in the playoffs 
Um, and if they have dug themselves a hole, uh, they've been able to rally and get back into the game, even in their losses. They've been single-digit losses, only two regulation losses and one loss in overtime, but two regulation losses over a span of a month and a half, yeah. not too bad. And no. The the Nuggets at, at this point, and it is funny to think about, I think, for Nuggets fans, uh, look, they, they took over the Western Conference for the most part in round just a little bit around around Christmas and New Year's, and then they even really, even earlier, yeah, mid December, and then they had a stranglehold yeah. on it by the time the calendar changed to twenty twenty three. Now they're in the finals, and it is refreshing to see the reward that they are potentially about to receive when you're talking about a, a title, but also just the attention that they have earned because this team, in the end. You, you have to step back, and I think you're seeing people say, and I think even, even we didn't necessarily do it, this is the best team in the NBA, and this has been the best team in the NBA for a while with only a healthy Milwaukee Bucks, I think, as a reasonable challenger in that regard, who had certainly the league's best record and, and were talented, but then they were beaten by the And team. won a championship. And won a championship. Which Philadelphia and Boston had not right. But the, the Nuggets have been the best team in the league. Right. Period. For a while. Well, well now. I, 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 again, you, you accepted Milwaukee. I, I would even say uh, for different reasons, uh, Boston seemed to have an interesting mix. But I thought well, by, they by had Christmas size, time, but they, they could go small. Um, exposed, I thought, to an extent. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, Miami exposed them in the playoffs. <laughs> yep. But I, I, I think if if you're, I mean, all the metrics showed that Boston was the only team in the league that was top two or three mm-hmm. offensively and defensively. Right. And so there was a strong argument, and they, after all, did go to the finals last year. They didn't finish it off, but to say they weren't competitive against Golden State would not be true either. They were up two games to one. Right. The fourth game on their home floor. Um, maybe that's when they're, home court vulnerability in the playoffs started mm-hmm. to show up a little bit. But the Nuggets, it seems to me, have just gone about their business. And they've also gotten uh, from Jokic, uh, he has become the third player to average uh, a triple-double entering the finals. History. Magic in 82, Lakers won the title. Wilton 67, 76ers won the title. Murray is the second player to average 30 points per game, 50% shooting from the field, 40% from three-point land, and 90% shooting from the foul line in multiple playoff series. The second, the only other guy to do it in the history of the sport is Kevin Durant. So whether you place them together as a tandem or separate them out individually, they're doing things that only one or two other players in the history of the NBA playoffs have done. You know, we talk about definitely two of the three best players in this series mm-hmm. are Jokic and Murray. Certainly. All due respect to Jimmy Butler, especially in the first round against Milwaukee, when he averaged yeah, they don't, they don't get out of the first round 37.6 points per game. Bonkers, right. But I'm not sure that the two best players in this series 
aren't Jokic and Murray number two with Butler number three, or maybe even Martin number three coming out of the Boston. They might be today. We'll have an opportunity to discuss it. Uh, Obviously, it's a busy day down at Ball Arena, but thanks to Vinny Benedetto from the Denver Gazette, he will have an opportunity to join us. And I'm going to ask him, Sandy, made me think about something, about these uh, no-drama nuggets just going about their business. I'm going to ask him and you if there's a team that you can think about. Denver fans, you might not like it. Maybe you will. We'll find out next in Miley Sports.